the lungs of many people have been under assault recently all over the planet. And um, so we're doing everything we can to protect you lungs. But you work for us day and night. We don't have to pay attention to you. And you just keep on going and going and going. It's fantastic. Thank you, lungs. And now to your heart. And try to envision the whole, um, the whole um, system of um, blood that the heart pumps. Thank you, heart, for pumping that blood. And thank you, blood system, for carrying the, uh, the oxygen and the food stuff to every part of our body and removing that which we don't need and uh, dumping it in the appropriate places to be excreted from the body. And now down to your stomach. Thank you, stomach, for taking in the food and transforming it into usable nutrients for our body. And, um, and thank you so much for um, continuing to work for us, sometimes when we're paying attention, but a lot of times when we're not. Now down to um, uh, your genital area. And thank you, genital areas, all the things that are there for um, transforming, the, uh, for um, ejecting from the body that which we don't need and that it's no, not of much value anymore for us. And, um, uh, and thank you, um, God, thank, and thank you, genitals, for sexual pleasure. And now put it on your knees and hands, and thank you, knees, knees, put me knees and legs. Thank you, knees and legs, for carrying us into the world and steadying us. Um, and now to your hands and thank you hands for making it possible to, uh, to feed ourselves and dress ourselves and um, uh, for being able to type and write and turn on the computers and uh, um, communicate in that way. And thank you for the capacity to give loving touch or, and to receive loving touch from others and to embrace other people. And um, now if you can, any part of your bone structure, thank you bones that give structure to the body and, um, and thank you God for creating this incredible um, skeleton that we have that gives structure for, for the body. And um, thank you for our, um, our ligaments and tendons and muscles that work to move all parts of this bone structure. Now, any part of your skin, thank you, skin, that um, uh, holds everything together and regulates inner our bodily temperature. And, uh, um, and now, finally, up to your brain and mind, thank you. Um, our, first of all, for our nervous system and our endocrine system and all the other systems that are operating within our body that keep on going without us having to pay any attention and keep all the various um, parts of our body happening and, um, again, without us having to pay much attention. But thank you, nervous system in particular, for bringing to our attention things that do need our attention. And thank you, mind and brain, for being able to figure out responses that are appropriate and rational to that situation. Finally, thank you, uh, mind, for being able to look out at this world and see 
what needs to be changed or healed or transformed and giving us the capacity to form plans and ideas about how to do that and then giving us ideas on what to do to make it happen. Baruch Atarunai Basar Blessed are you, the transformative power of the universe, who heals all flesh and makes us, each of us, an ongoing miracle. Amen. 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 Now you can open your eyes and come back. Um, and uh, we're blessed, blessing that body. Um, so um, now would you put up the morning blessings? Okay, yep. So I'm going to share the morning blessings because they're my translation. So they're, and when I scanned, well, anyway, I forgot to include them in the scan. <laughs> so give me one second. Uh, No, it's here. It's, it's great. Yeah. Okay. So, I know. I just got a mm -hmm. couple things at once. So, it's so a moving, moving pieces here. Okay. Screen share. Now I can get there. Here we go. Okay. All right. And that looks like it's big enough from what I can see. Okay. So I invite you to. Uh, Say pray these along with me. We'll 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 just do it in English largely, um, which you can all see there. Um, I'll do the beginning in Hebrew. <clears throat> who has given our people responsibility to love the stranger and pursue justice for all. Who awakens our inner consciousness to see beyond ourselves. That was not written correctly. Who has made me in your image, giving me the capacity to partner with you to transform the world. Who has made me free so I can help others become more truly free as well. Who opens the eyes of the blind and helps us see what we must do. Who calls us to provide resources to those in need. Who releases the imprisoned and releases us from our prisons of fear so we can see our complicity in the suffering of Palestinians and partner with them to support their liberation. Who moves us beyond our constricted limitations, giving us the capacity to stretch beyond our comfort zones. Certainly that's happening now. Who stretches earth over the waters and gives us solid foundation in times of uncertainty. 
Baruch Elohim Melech HaOlam Who creates abundantly and rouses us to meet others' needs. Baruch HaTzadunai who guides our karmic path and calls us to pray with our feet. Baruch HaTadunai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam who girds all God wrestlers with the strength to speak truth to power and challenge injustice. Baruch HaTadunai Ruach HaOlami who crowns me with the capacity to see beauty in the world and in all beings. Baruch Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, who gives strength to the weary, so we can recommit and return again and again to work for peace and justice. Amen. Okay. Now you can go back to the prayer book, right? Yeah, to page 15. We have a little melody in it. Get there? Page 15. Yeah, I'm so. Okay. Um, source of I'm cosmic multiplicity. Happiness abounds in the confident human. Bount of transformation, responsive force to those who yearn for change. Transform your peoples, bless your inheritance. Lift us beyond our smallness of vision to that of the vast. Transform your peoples. Bless your inheritance. Lift us beyond our smallness of vision to that of the vast. Transform your peoples. Bless your inheritance. Lift us beyond our smallness of vision to that of the vast. Oshia et Amecha, Uvarechet Nachlatecha, Ay, 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 Urem, 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 Urem,
Okay, let's turn to page 21 for the interpretive nishmat there. I encourage you when you, now that you have access to this, um, and I'll share the link again um, for those who came later, to take time when you have time to just pick something up from it and read it. It's filled with um, so much beauty and wisdom and um, spiritual sustenance and, and <laughs> nurturing that we so much need. So I encourage you now that you'll have access to it um, when we're not together and we're just skimming through some of it to choose, choose a prayer and just sit with it for a half an hour and, and see what comes. Use it as a meditation. So the interpretive nishmat. It's on page 21. 21, and I have it on the screen. Can, how can people who just came in access the thing? Well, I, I, it's on the screen right now. I'll share the link in a minute. Okay. I can't, I can't multitask at the moment. No, no. I'll multitask in a minute. Um, so when the night slides under with the last dimming star and the red sky lightens between the trees and the heron glides tipping heavy wings in the river when crows stir and cry out their harsh joy and swift creatures of the night run toward their burrows and the deer raises her head and sniffs the freshening air and the shadows grow more distinct and then shorten. Then we rise into the day still clean as snow. The cat washes its paw and greets the day with gratitude. Leviathan salutes breaching with a column of steam. The hawk turning in the sky cries out a prayer like a knife. We must wonder at the sky now thin as a speck of eggshell that now piles up its boulders of storm to crash down that now hangs a furry gray belly into the street. Each day we find a new sky and a new earth with which we are trusted like a perfect toy. We are given the salty river of our blood winding through us to remember the sea and our kindred under the waves. The hot pulsing that knocks in our throats to consider our cousins in the grass and the trees, all bright scattered rivulets of life. We are given the wind within us, the breath, to shape into words that steal time, that touch like hands and pierce like bullets, that wake in truth and deceit, sorrow and pity and joy, that waste precious air in complaints, in lies, in floating traps for power on the dirty air. Yet holy breath still stretches our lungs to sing, we are given the body, that momentary kibbutz of elements that have belonged to frog and polar bear, corn and oak tree, volcano and glacier. We are lent for a time these minerals and water and a morning every day, a morning to wake up, rejoice and praise life in our spines, our throats, our knees, our genitals, our brains, our tongues. We are given fire to see against the dark, to think, to read, to study how we are to live, to bank in ourselves against defeat and despair, that cool and muddy our resolves, that make us forget 
what we saw we must do. We are given passion that rise like the sun in our minds with the new day and burn the debris of habit and greed and fear. We stand in the midst of the burning world, primed to burn with compassionate love and justice, to turn inward and see the world that is all of one flesh with us, see under the trash, through the smog, the furry bee in the apple blossom, the trout leaping, the candles our ancestors lit for us. Fill us as the tide rustles the reeds in the marsh. Fill us as the rushing water overflows the pitcher. Fill us as the light fills a room with its dancing. Let the little quarrels of the bones and the snarling of the lesser appetites and the whining of the ego cease. Let silence still us so you may show us your shining and we can out of that stillness rise and praise. So do you want me to stop sharing? So now we're gonna rise and praise. Hallelujah, So now we're going to go outside. I'm going to copy this. I'm going to um, post the link one more time to the prayer book. Um, in the future, just so you know, you can also get it on the Beit Tikkun website. Okay. Um, so we're going to go outside. So let me screen share. And that's B-E-Y-T-T-I-K-K-U-N dot org. I can put that in there. So now we're going to page. We're going to go to Shaman to the handout, right? Um, yeah. Right here? Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, I'm going to take the computer outside because we're going outside. And if you're able and willing and would like to go outside to your place, so you can see, if you can outside, you can see outside. It's not very sunny today. It was beautiful and sunny yesterday. Hmm? What did you say? You can show them San, I did. San Francisco. I did. I did. I, that's San Francisco out there. You can't really see it. The Golden Gate Bridge. They can't see it. There's no way. It's too foggy. Okay. Too foggy. Let's, yeah, let's try it. Okay, the hills of Marin. No. <laughs> okay. Baruch Atadonayinu Cholam Yotzer Or Uvarech Hoshech Ose Shalom Uvarech Takol 
Bless you, transform the power of the universe. Create light and you create darkness. You make peace and you create everything. Um, if you see where we are at the top. We are grateful to you, goddess, for creating this amazing universe with a hundred billion galaxies. But the Milky Way would have been plentiful for us. And we are grateful for the sun. Giving us light and giving us warmth. That, that, make, life that makes it possible for life to develop and, and evolve in, in a million zillion amazing ways. ways. And we, we are grateful for, for the light sorry. that makes it possible for us to see the beauty around us. The sun. The sun is up there. You want to Come point, on out. You want to point it out in the direction? <laughs> the sun. The birds up there. The trees. The water. What else are we thankful for? Anybody want to shout Anyone want to unmute and just shout out something you're grateful for? Go for it. The clouds. The yeah. clouds. <laughs> Looks well, sunny where you are. The birds. The calories. <laughs> Wild flowers. Nice. <laughs> the ocean. The ocean. The ocean. The sun, the, the sun. sun, we're grateful to you. The sun, the sun, we're grateful to you. What? And we are grateful for photosynthesis <laughs> that gives us delicious fruit and veggies. That Wait. nourish our bodies. You want to go back to the sun? Yeah. Go, go back, go back to, to the sun. The sun, the <laughs> sun. We're so grateful for you. And we are grateful for the light and for the warmth. The warmth that makes it possible to, for life to have developed on this planet in, and in a zillion amazing ways. <laughs> They're so, so incredible. And we are grateful also for, um, the uh, the war the light illuminates all the beauty here. Let me just turn around to show some more beauty. Yeah, all the all the beauty of this world. The tree, so we can get to see the trees and the flowers and the um and um the plants and the ocean and the hills and the um. And all of the incredible reality of this universe. <laughs> so we are so grateful for all of that, and we're grateful for photosynthesis that makes it possible for us to get nurturance out of the fruits and the veggies without having to kill any animals. <laughs> and we are grateful to you, Goddess, for all the amazing realities of this universe and for renewing every day. I mean, uh, the events of creation so that the world continues to happen every single day it's still there <laughs> you renew every day the events of creation in front of us or shine a new light 
on Zion and on all the world, a new light. And may we be worthy to experience the new light that you shine onto this world. Blessed are you, transformative power, who creates the heavenly lights. Amen. Okay, we're not going out. We're going inside? Yeah, it hurts my arm to hold the computer. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, transitioning back in. Now we're going to Ahaba. Social and economic justice, environmental sanity, evolution of the consciousness of all humanity. They are back on Bodaris. This is apparently it's not there. Gathered together before 
parts of ourselves and the broken pieces of the world into a wholeness and bring us together as one. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai And it shall come to pass if you love the spiritual transformative power of the universe with all your heart, all your soul, and all your passion, and use that energy to build a world based on these mitzvot, a world of love and care, kindness and generosity, social, economic, and environmental justice, and ecological sensitivity, then the world will work. The sun will shine. Yay. The rain will fall. Yay. The earth will give forth its produce, and you and your animals will eat and be satisfied. Yay. But be careful, watch out. Uh-oh. Be careful, watch out. Uh-oh. Because if you don't build a world based on these mitzvot and instead build one based on selfishness and greed, consuming and producing without care for the well being of the planet and its inhabitants, constantly hoarding and chasing after more money, power, fame, and land building political systems that allow some to vote and not others, economic systems that work for the 1% on the backs of the 99%, healthcare systems that only serve those with money and not those in need. Then, just as the social, economic, and political systems and structures of society break down and become unbalanced, so too will the ecological and environmental systems because it is an ecological whole. You cannot separate one from the other. Mm, And the sun will not shine. The rain will not fall. The earth will not give forth its produce. There'll be a series of environmental catastrophes from rising waters waters in the sea, torrential, torrential downpours, droughts and fires, and pandemics, aye, aye, aye. and eventually, even you and your animals too, 
will be wiped off from the face of the earth. Right. So teach this to your children. Not so easy. Talk about it in public. Even if your voice cracks and your knees shake, talk about it in the privacy of your own home, even when your friends and family kind of get sick and tired of hearing it. Talk about it when you walk by the way so strangers hear this message loud and clear. Talk about it when you lie down and when you get up because you'll be tired of it and you'll want to just forget it. Find a first sign upon your arm so it seeps into your heart and guides your actions and a sign upon your third eye so it seeps deeply into every pore and cell of your body. Write it for a sign upon your doorpost and upon your gate so all those who come into your home know and so you remember these values by which you strive to live. And if you do these things and live this way, then you and your children and all children will have a good long life on this good earth mm. that God promised you. Oh God spoke to Moses and said, speak to the children of Israel and say to them to put tzitzit on the corners of your garment to look at the tzitzit as reminders of all these mitzvot, not just to see them and to be reminded, but to do them, to perform them, to build this world. And God said, I am the transformative power of the universe. I am that one who brought you out of the narrow consciousness of slavery, of constriction. I showed you that structures and systems of oppression and imbalance created by human beings could be overturned by human beings. I am that force in truth. Except I don't, I don't think we copied it. Uh, hang on. Yeah. The other page. Yeah, hold on. Uh, yeah, hold on. So we're going to page. Neil, would you be willing to read this as soon as I get there? This. It's the, on page 33. The English part. Yeah. Can you unmute yourself? Neil, you need Neil, to unmute yourself. Neil Penn. I have it in the prayer book, the prayer that starts with, we show ourselves. Yep. Yes. Okay. My pleasure. We show ourselves as we really are without compromising, unobstetriously, without trying to convince anyone. We maintain our inner certitude. We avoid deceiving ourselves. We individually and collectively strive for increased emotional and physical stamina. So we last to the end of whatever is called for. We say clearly what has to be said. We do not fail when we are needed. We open ourselves emotionally to receiving love. We offer our confident tenderness to the divine. We give value and weight to the instances of grace in which we unite with the divine through knowledge, work, and love. We appreciate the exquisite balance happening inside us at each moment. We allow ourselves the humility and the innocence to be awestruck. We allow powerful moments to course for our body without completely resisting. We correct and continue to be corrected without hurt pride or harsh self-criticism. We open our emotions and psychic being joyfully to the divine. We give of ourselves without bargaining. We offer our own beauty manifesting the divine visually, and we wish everybody a happy May Day. Workers of the world, unite. 
Amen. Amen. So um, the next page is Nechamocha. Uh, so I just, I always like to do a little, short little okay. <laughs> drash here. So Nechamocha is a song, the story is a song that Miriam and the women sang when we got to the other side of the sea. And the Torah and the Midrash teach us that we, um, we didn't leave, leave, leave alone, excuse me, that the mass multitudes went with us. That means that other people within the structures and systems of the Egyptian um, society left with us because no one's freedom comes solely by themselves. In order to be free, we all have to work together. And even those of us who have more comfortable lives who may not be experiencing the power of the oppressive systems in which we live, we too have a responsibility to uplift others and to bring others to freedom. So as we enter this song and this prayer and this celebration of our freedom, I just wanna ask you to take a moment today, in this moment, and ask yourself, what actions are you gonna take in this next week, beginning tomorrow, to uplift and bring forth and call forth the freedom of all beings on this planet? Because none of us are truly free until all of us are free. And we all have a responsibility to bring forth that freedom. Amen. Amen. No rati lo, oh se fele. No rati lo, oh se fele. Sur Yisroel, kumab Ezra Yisrael, ufudekenu mecha, Yehuda be Yisrael. Koaleinu Adonai, tzivot shemo, kedosh Yisrael. Bruchah, yashachinah, ge'alam Yisrael. So, this we come now to the silent meditative prayer. The Hebrew version of it is in, in your prayer book oh, and some very interesting English translations. It goes from pages 40, um, 30, pages that 30, 36 to, to 50. Um, but we're going to uh, invite you also to just use the next few minutes, the next seven minutes to meditate. Um, in any way that you want to close your eyes and to choose some some mantra. The mantra of our community that we uh, invite you to use is, I am part of the unity of all being, a manifestation of God's love on earth. I am part of the unity of all being, a manifestation of God's love on earth. Or any other mantra you want to use, or read the, read the prayers any way that you want to do it. And we'll be back in um, uh, it's either six or seven minutes, I guess. So, yeah, to, um, uh, to start the Torah study. So thank you for being with us. And um, please, if you can, use this few minutes to uh, meditate on anything that gives you relaxation or connection to the miracle of this universe. So I'm not going to stay here and 
screen it. I just uh, I just shared it with you all, um, the link again. So if you can't access the link right now, then you can use this opportunity for some other meditative process. I love, I 
Okay, can you get us your page? Um, yeah. So welcome all of you who have just joined us for for a study. We're just about to head there right now. So um, thank you. So we. So you want to do that? You want to just do the blessing over there? I think we'll do this okay. at the be beginning on page sixty-seven. Okay. So I'm going to share our prayer book again. Um, okay. One second. It's I'm going to do two things at one time. Okay. So well, meanwhile, can really I say something? Yeah, you can say okay, something. Okay, so um, we're going to say that some of the opening prayers for the um, for the Torah service, the Torah service, the Torah study is in English. So if any of you have thought, wait a second, I don't speak Hebrew, I don't know what they're saying, etc., that'll be over in a few minutes, and then and then it'll all be in English. Um, so uh, um, it's on page 69 in, uh, 67. Okay, I just sent the link, so I'm, I'm going to, um, and now I'll share. So page 67. So you can also find it there. Okay. Uh, sorry, it's just busy making, I realize when I do this. There we go. Okay. Okay. Adonai oz leyama uyitein, Adonai yevaharech et amava shalom, Avarachamim etiva vitzancha etziyam. Tivnechamak Yerushalayim, Tivnechamak Yerushalayim. Kivechak <laughs> Ki mitzion tetzetahara Udevar Adonai Nirushalayim Baruch Shematan Torah Torah Baruch Shematan Torah Torah Le'amo Yisrael Bikdushatah And then in old page 68 Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Echad Eloheinu Kadadaneinu Kadashemah Kadul Adonai Iti 
69. I can do the blessing, Torah blessing together. Many of you probably know this. Baruchu et Adonai Hamvarach, Baruch Adonai Hamvarach Le'olam Ba'ed, Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Ha'olam, Asher Bachar Banu in Kol Hamin, Benatan Lanu et Torato, Baruch Ata Adonai Noten HaTorah. Amen. So I'm going to pull up the Torah reading, but I want to um, share the link with you in case you want to pull it up if you don't have a Tanakh. So, hang on. Okay, well, can I say some words yeah, while we're doing it? Yeah. Okay, so while we're uh, finding to share the Torah reading for um, People who may, don't have a Bible, if you have a Bible, I, uh, in the invitation I sent you the, the exact um, location of it, and I think I'm going to, actually I'm going to get my own. Um, okay, don't this? talk while you're walking away. No. <laughs> uh, so I shared uh, the link to a safari where you can access it. Um, that's the easiest place I find um, to find it online. It has English, Hebrew. Um, but we also, um, I'll be sharing it in a minute. But as long as he wants to say a few words, I won't put us, I'll let you see him and see us before that. Cat, mm-hmm. Yes? If we don't want to share it on screen, is there a way to not do that? Can yeah. we... Are you wanting it? Not, are you wanting me not to share it? Is that what you're saying? No, individually. Oh, um, you can choose your view options up at the top and um, just make the screen with the text on it one of the screens that would be in your gallery view. Great, thank you. I'll thank go back to mute. Thanks, Sarah. And I know, Signe, uh, you're having trouble hearing us. It may just be that you need to turn up the volume on your computer. Mm. Okay, do you want to say a few words before I screen share it? Um, no, you can, you can screen share it. Okay. But, um, so um, we're going to read through the Parsha without talking about it, and then we're going to go back over it. So, um, um, and I'll ask for volunteers for diff- different parts, um, but, um, but I want to say some, something as a preliminary to how we approach the Torah reading. Um, the Torah reading, the Torah itself, um, has been um, uh, analyzed by many, many different scholars from de- different perspectives about where it's coming from and how it come into existence. The traditional explanation is is that the um, well, the the um, the traditional religious uh, um, explanation is it was all given to us on Mount Sinai, okay. And uh, Moses got it and wrote it down and so forth, including even the parts about his own death. And, and so uh, that's one, one view. Um, I, uh, a later view says that um, actually, that, so Mount Sinai was approximately 1200 BCE, before the Common Era. In other words, about 
3,200 years ago. Um, I, um, then there are scholars who have um, tried to dissect four different um, sources for, the, for it, and um, that view that came out of uh, German scholars in the 19th century, uh, I don't think is very compelling. The, the view that I think is emerging amongst many, um, many Jewish scholars today is that the, that the Torah was probably put together um, by um, the collection of multiple sources and multiple stories. And um, to understand the, um, uh, what's, why there's some difficulty in understanding what's going on. Stop sharing so we can see you. Do whatever you want to. Okay, so um, the, um, is that the, um, uh, the Torah emerged uh, on this theory someplace between 500 and 300 BCE. And it was put together by what uh, the tradition says were the, the, the people of the great assembly, an assembly of a variety of scholars who looking over the, um, all this, the previous um, stories that had been uh, um, gathered and scrolls that had been put together, uh, recording parts of, of, the, um, uh, of the vision that, Jews, uh, uh, that the Israelites had um, uh, written down. And they brought together and put, put it together. And the principle of putting it together was this, inclusion. In other words, different voices could be heard. And, and instead of saying, um, this is the right version and that's the wrong version, or we don't buy this, they put together um, many different and often contradictory um, uh, visions in there. Now to understand those visions, we have to go back a little bit and recognize that Judaism emerged in, in the world um, approximately, let's say someplace between 36 and 3,200 years ago. And um, um, the Jewish people began to develop a, um, a set of views together that eventually get uh, articulated in Torah. And that world in which we entered, that Judaism emerged, was a world that already had um, a class structure and patriarchy going on, okay? It, uh, class, class structure and patriarchy, um, are generally thought to have emerged someplace between 8,000 years ago and 6,000 years ago. Um, and um, so um, in, that, uh, in that time, there was a, um, a considerable amount of um, attempts by ruling elites to develop religions or to take pre-existing religions and transform their meanings so that they would um, uh, reinforce the power of the ruling elites of their time. And um, so the religions that were developed often had um, elements of pre-class society that were still, still uh, there, um, but they also had a lot of belief systems that were reinforcing the existing class system and patriarchy. So when um, Judaism comes into existence, um, starts to develop, it, uh, it has those models there. And, uh, and because it has those models, um, there's a lot of that just sort of automatically floating into Judaism. 
that is part of what people think it is to be serving God. Now, on the other hand, um, what is unique about Judaism and why I think it's worth um, preserving is that it also has a different voice that was not in almost any of the existing religions that we know of in the ancient world. And that is a voice that talks about transforming the world from, a, uh, from class structure and patriarchy to a different kind of world. And that voice or the elements of that voice are also part of Torah. And um, so what's not a surprise from any ancient religion is seeing the, point, the parts of the class structure and the patriarchy that have been there um, in many other religions and that was soaked into the common sense of people at the time, et cetera. What's interesting is uh, exciting, exciting about Torah is when it doesn't go there, okay? But given, okay, so, and, and uh, let me say how you recognize um, which of these two voices. Okay, well, um, the way that you recognize um, the patriarchal um, and particularly class structure society is that it had a central teaching, and that is um, the way the world is is the only way the world can be, and um, you should learn how to flow with it and uh, accept it that way. And, um, and yes, there's a world of domination and power and control, but that's built into the structure of necessity. There's no way that you're going to get out of, out of that. If you think that you're going to make a revolution and get power over others this, uh, so that you can eliminate the class structure, and you'll just re recreate the same thing over and over and over again. Um, there's no way of moving beyond it. Now, the, the, um, the unique part of Judaism was that it said, um, no, actually, there's a force in the universe that makes possible the transformation from that which is to that which ought to be. And that's what yud Hey vav Hey, which we pronounce Adonai, but it's not, those four letters don't add up to anything, and that's why um, Jews don't never pronounce it. Um, because it's not about um, a name of a being, it's about a concept. And the concept is that the, the force of, that there's a force in the universe that makes possible the transformation from that which is to that which ought to be. So, um, so you've got um, in the inheritance of the Israelites and of everybody in the world actually today as well as uh, in the past, really two different visions um, inside people that everybody's heard. One that says the world is about, you know, is structured in such a way that some people have more power than others. And if you want to succeed in this world, what you need to do is to maximize your skills in dominating other people or having control over other people. Otherwise, other, other people are gonna dominate and control you. So the way to change that is to change your situation by developing those skills. And then those who have not been successful at that, well, they're the ones who get less, a, a lot less goodies in this world. And that's, um, so to be, um, to, um, to be a success in this world is to learn the skills of domination, control, power over others, and, um, and act on them. Okay, now, along comes Sarah, and it says, then the Jewish people, and it says, no, there's actually another voice. And this other voice, by the way, um, um, is a voice of um, love, kindness, and compassion. It says, no, this world isn't governed just by um, power over. 
there's another way of living, a, a way of caring for other people. And uh, security doesn't have to come through domination. Security can come through love and kindness and generosity. So you have these two different uh, visions. And unfortunately for us who would like to see a world based on love, kindness, and generosity, the truth is, is that almost everybody on the planet has both, uh, both messages in their mind. Because most people have heard both the worldview of domination and control and the worldview of love, kindness, and generosity. And most of us are somewhere on a continuum between a continuum between the world of domination and the world of love and generosity. And where we are is a more complicated question that um, some other time I would go into and try and explain the forces of where you get, how you get to be in different places on that continuum. But almost everybody has both voices in their head. Um, both uh, have uh, resonance at various points in our life. Uh, and, um, but these two voices were there also in the men of the great assembly when they got together and decided what do you put in and where do you put it in? Now, if you try to imagine a bunch of Jews, particularly say Jewish uh, scholars and uh, Israelite scholars, let's say um, Israelites who are um, trying to build, um, uh, put together the texts and so forth, you can imagine there might be a lot of arguments between them, amongst, <laughs> amongst them, right? You, you, you probably know that Jews like to argue anyway. And, um, and so where do you put these different voices? How do you deal with it? So um, what they did was very often um, when, there, when there was something that was too much on one side or the other of, the, of those two voices, then the people on the other side would say, well, wait a second, but what about our side? Let me, we want to put in some text there. And that explains the peculiarity of much of the, the Torah, because the Torah has stories in it that, are, um, that seem to go for the uh, support, the domination, power over worldview, and, um, and also stories in it that, go, uh, that support the liberation, transformation worldview the worldview of love and kindness and generosity. So, um, so here we're going now to read um, the, um, one of the most significant um, Parsha. A Parsha means the Torah reading. Um, and this week's Parsha is um, called uh, Kiddoshim, which means holiness. And we're gonna read that, but you'll see if you're going along um, that on the one hand, you've got moments in which you're saying, oh yeah, this is a really in interesting thing to find amongst, um, amongst us who are um, uh, wanting a world of holiness. And then the next sentence is something that makes you think, wait a second, I, I, I don't know why I'm even honoring this uh, book that has this yucky thing in it. Okay, and that's the, the answer I've just given you is that um, the Torah has an, a different principle. And it's print, uh, the people who put it together, I'm saying, had a different principle, which was not um, ideological coherence, but inclusion. Um, and there's something to be said for inclusion, okay? Uh, there's something to be said for including all the voices, even the voices. And uh, that's how the Jewish tradition evolved, so that by the time of the Talmud, which, was, um, which come, starts to be put together with the Mishnah, which is the first part, of the Talmudic uh, enterprise around 200 of the common era, um, 
And then, uh, and then the Talmud gets codified about someplace between 500 and 600 of the Common Era. You find um, a lot of uh, arguments between different rabbis being preserved there. And they, sometimes they will say, here's the decision made, or here's the position of the majority, or like that. But they always, or almost always, preserve the voices of the minority, the voices of the voices that are um, um, pushed out uh, in, in many other contexts. And that's, um, that's a, actually a great thing because it means that you can affirm the value of people that you don't agree with, okay? And, and assume that, that there's something uh, okay about them, even if the particular view at any given moment that they're articulating is yucky and we don't want to have anything to do with it. But nevertheless, you can appreciate the attempt to keep the different, now, the different voices. Well, that is also um, uh, how the Torah was shaped. And so um, in this Parsha, which is um, right in the middle of the, of the, of the, um, the Torah, it's like the, the middle Parsha of, of, the, of the Torah in the book of Leviticus. And, um, and right in the middle of it is, um, some amazing things and some not so amazing things. So anyway, um, so as you probably remember, if I- if Wait, you, let me, Martha, did you have a question or would you raise your hand? Go ahead, unmute. Yeah, I wanted to say that hearing uh, the rabbis drosh on the different voices in the Torah, which I have heard before, but I heard it differently this time because of your comments about the mixed multitude. And I see a connection between the two, which is that just as transformation requires that we relate to others, the Torah itself is the product of sort of a priestly mixed multitude as it were. And the same principle holds that all those various multitude of voices are part of the whole. Okay, that's all. I just, Beautiful. I got it this time that I've never gotten it before. <laughs> Beautiful. So, great. Thank so, you. And Martha, you said you would read some. I did. Us. So why don't you start reading and when you start feeling like your voice is going or that you're not, then just say and we'll ask for some other people to okay. read. All right. Okay. I'm going to so, share. Hang on. So we're reading on chapter 19 of the book of, of uh, Leviticus, or Vayikra in Hebrew, and chapter 19, sentence one, that's where we're starting. And um, um, is that what's up? Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. So um, Martha, would, would you go as far as you feel comfortable? And then we'll ask somebody else to. Okay. 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 And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and ye shall keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. Turn ye not unto the idols, nor make to yourselves molten gods. I am the Lord your God. And when ye offer a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord, ye shall offer it that ye may be accepted. 
it shall be eaten the same day ye offer it, and on the morrow. And if aught remain until the third day, it shall be burnt with fire. And if it is eaten at all on the third day, it is a vile thing. It shall not be accepted. But every one that eateth it shall bear the iniquity, because he hath profaned the holy thing of the Lord. And thou and that soul shall be cut off from his people. And when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corner of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleaning of the harvest. And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou not glean, gather the fallen fruit of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall not steal, neither shall ye deal falsely, nor lie one to another. And ye shall not swear by my name falsely, so that thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not oppress thy neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind. But thou shalt fear thy God. I am the Lord. He shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor favor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness shall thou judge thy neighbor. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Neither shall thou stand idly by <coughs> the, the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thy heart. Thou shalt surely rebuke thy neighbor and not bear sin because of him. Thou shalt not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Ye shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy field with two kinds of seed. Neither shall there come upon thee a garment of two kinds of stuff mingled together. And whosoever lieth carnally with a woman that is bondmaid, designated for a man, and not at all redeemed, nor was freedom given her, there shall be inquisition. They shall not be put to death because she was not free. And he shall bring his forfeit unto the Lord, unto the door of the tent of meeting, even a ram for gift, guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering before the Lord for his sin which he hath sinned. And he shall be forgiven for his sin which he hath sinned. And when ye shall come into the land and shall have planted all manner of trees for food, then ye shall count the fruit thereof as forbidden. Three years shall it be forbidden unto you. It shall not be eaten. And in the fourth year, all of the fruit 
thereof shall be holy for giving praise unto the Lord. But in the fifth year, he may eat of the fruit thereof, that it may yield unto you more richly the increase thereof. I am the Lord your God. You shall not eat with the blood, neither shall ye practice divination nor soothsaying. You shall not round the corners of your heads, neither shall thou mar the corners of thy beard. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor imprint any marks upon you. I am the Lord. Profane not thy daughters to make her a harlot, lest the land fall into harlotry, and the land become full of lewdness. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Turn ye not unto the ghosts, nor the or nor unto familiar spirits. Seek them not out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man. Thou sh and thou shalt fear thy God. I am the Lord. And if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger that sojourneth with you shall be unto you as the home born among you. And thou shalt love him as thyself, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in mityard, in weight or in measure. Just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hin shall ye have. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and ye shall observe all my statutes and all my ordinances and do them. I am the Lord. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to stop there. Great. Thank you. I think that's as much as we need to read for right, right this moment. So what I'm, I'm going to stop sharing then so you can see. Yeah. So, um, what I want to do is to put people in groups, but oh, just for a second. So, um, okay, so here we have uh, um, a chapter uh, that starts saying, um, you shall be holy. Um, Kedoshim you, you shall be holy. Um, and uh, so one thing I wanted to point out to you, just you've probably heard if you've done Torah study with me before, is that the, um, whenever there's a command, it, um, the command form in Hebrew is the same as the future tense here. Um, and often it makes more sense if you understand that what's being said is that this is a prediction of what, of what will happen when people are holy. Um, not, um, not that it's, you're commanded to do it, but that you will do it when, when the world is in a different place. So, um, so get that part, okay? Um, the second thing is somebody asked the question, by the way, um, which I don't want to go spend a lot of time on. I'll just say I why. I answered it too. What? I answered it. Are well. you already answered? Okay, then forget it. I won't, won't deal with it. Um, <laughs> so, um, so what we're going to do right now is uh, ask you to meet with one or two of the people, other people. Well, I'm going to put people, uh, I'm going to put three to four in a group. Okay. So three to four, you'll soon be put in a group with three or four people, presumably people you probably don't know. And um, here's the, the task for, the, for um, the next five, six minutes. 
I want to ask each of you to share what you what is holy. What do you what does anybody mean by holiness? What do, would you mean by holiness? If you thought there was such a thing as holiness, what is it? Um, if you think there is no such thing, what do you think that they were trying to get at when they said holy? But kedoshim to you, you will be holy. So what what is that? So would uh, like to have you share with the other people in the in the room that you're in that you're about to put in. Okay, first you can introduce yourself to that person uh, to to anybody in your and say a, a sentence about yourself. And then um, share something about what do you think holiness is? What is, what in the world are they talking about here when they're talking about holiness? So um, I think it's gonna happen. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you in breakout groups with three to four people. Don't forget to unmute yourself when you get there. <clears throat> if you're on the phone, the way to do that is star six. I'll also really quickly unmute you before we go, but then the reverberation is gonna be really unpleasant. Um, so I'm going to create those rooms. You'll see a, if you're not used to this, I'm assuming almost everyone's done Zoom by now, but you'll see a pop up and it'll say, go to breakout room and you click on that and you get to your room. Okay, I'm unmuting you all as we do this. Okay. Welcome back. So, um, can everybody hear me now? Yes, okay. Um, so, uh, there are a lot of different visions of what holiness is. Um, but, so I, I want to say how I read this uh, Parsha this, this week. And I see it as uh, really the core of, um, of uh, Judaism in its two most significant um, uh, statements. One is, you should love your neighbor as yourself. And the second, that it goes even further, that, uh, that one, I hope you noticed, um, was a uh, um, sentence, let's see what sentence was that. Um, well, what do you think? Um, it's um, on sent, um, it's on sentence seventeen. Yeah, um, should love your na- your neighbor as yourself. But then, even more importantly, um, comes the. It's eighteen. It's line eighteen. What? It's line eighteen. On eighteen, love your fellow as yourself. Yeah, it's 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 for those of you following. It's uh, Leviticus nineteen eighteen. Um, is sentence thirty three, um, which is um, talk into the computer though. In this way, I think people can hear me. Is there anybody who can't hear can me? Can you hear him? Well, yep, thumbs up. Okay, go ahead. Okay, um, sentence thirty three says. Um, uh, when um, um, here, I'll read it. N- no, I got it right here on the screen. Okay, go ahead. Um, when a stranger dwells among you in your land, do not oppress him. Do, um, um, 
the uh, the stranger um, uh, who dwells with you shall be like a native uh, among you, or the Hebrew word is Ezrach, which is the word in Hebrew now for citizen. For, uh, but um, it's somebody who's close to you, and you shall love um, you shall love him like yourself. For remember, you were aliens, you were the stranger in the land of Egypt. I am Hashem, your God. And I believe that this is the um, the most revolutionary uh, message of Torah, and it's um, uh, um, it sums up, I think, all the other specifics in this chapter. When it's saying, um, "Don't uh, don't have uh, false um, measures, uh, don't cheat, don't steal, etc." I think they can all be put into the general category of loving your loving the other, loving the other. The other, uh, and the word, um, uh, the, the word here of, um, uh, of the other is, we have the lager, that the stranger, this, the other. Um, the ger, it says, okay, but remember, now who is that? Well, um, you can read the next sentence and it says, Remember that you were the ger in the land of Egypt. Okay, now the rabbis, um, in starting really with uh, as early as the Mishnah, so you know, two thousand years ago, started to transform that um, that word into a, a, a word that meant proselyte, somebody who's um, who has converted to Judaism, okay, or wants to convert to Judaism. They're the ger, but um, why? Well, because the command to love the stranger is very, very difficult one for particularly if you're living as an oppressed minority and starting with the, um, the conquest of the, of the land of, of Israel um, in about um, 300 by, the, um, by the, the Greeks and then following up with the Roman, the Roman rule which uh, started about 100 BCE and then continued on until, until eventually they had destroyed the temple and then uh, in, a, in, a, in 70 CE and then in 135 CE had basically forced many, many, many Jews to flee out of that land completely. Um, so you have, um, it's a very difficult um, command for people because it means loving the other and the other are not acting in nice ways. They are very, they're, they're actually oppressing us. They're treating us terribly. And so you can understand how people had trouble with this and, they, and the way they dealt with it was to totally transform its meaning. It, because if you look at when it says, that you were, you were a ger in the land of Egypt. Well, we didn't convert to anything. We weren't, we weren't proselytes to, to the Egyptian um, religion. Um, so um, the, the truth is, is that we were the stranger, we were the other. And you know what, the, what it is to be another. That's why here and in many other places in the Torah, this is the most frequently repeated versions of this command are the most frequently repeated command of anything in Torah. You might ask why most frequently um, repeated? Because it's the hardest one to do. 
It's the one that the Torah already understood. The people who put the Torah together already understood this is going to be a toughie because by the time they were putting it together, they had already been in exile in Babylonia after the Babylonians had destroyed, um, destroyed the first temple. And, um, and now they're back in the land of Israel trying, uh, trying to recreate Judaism and, re, re, and they, they still hold on to this command and still make it the center of the central, the center um, of the Torah, the, 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 as I said, the central um, part of the Torah. And twice here, once love the, um, your neighbor, and the second is love the stranger. So, um, so this is uh, an approach to uh, love that uh, is um, very, uh, let's say transformative, but also very uh, difficult for, for, for everyone. Um, but in my view, it's the apex of what holiness is. In my view of holiness, um, holiness is um, being able to accept this, caring for everyone, caring for um, everyone on the planet and caring for the planet itself. And that this is the general category um, of caring um, for which all the other specifics in Torah um, can be either assimilated or you have to say, no, it can't be assimilated because this other one is the opposite of caring. And then we say, yeah, that's the voice um, that I talked talk about, the voice of domination, power over, et cetera, that refuses to see our potential connection with the other and instead fear, fears the other and thinks that the only way to deal with them is through domination and power over. Um, and we see that, of course, being played out in a horrific way right now in the state of Israel, where, um, uh, where um, Israel is, um, instead of seeing them as an Ezrach, as a citizen, or the, um, Israel is moving to totally deny their peoplehood and their rights as, a, as human beings. And um, uh, so it's shocking, um, and shocking all the more that religious Jews form a central part of the coalition of Netanyahu. Um, but um, uh, in any event, that um, how do they do that? By ignoring it, by ignoring this commandment, totally, by transforming it into something different, by saying it's not about the other, it's about proselytes, and we're nice to proselytes. Anybody wants to convert to Judaism, we're nice to them. But the word is, is, is clearly something very different. Um, because you were that in the land of Egypt. Um, so um, holiness is in part, in my view, um, uh, the apex of holiness is caring for everyone, everyone on the planet and caring for the planet itself. So, um, so love, so what is love? Okay, what is love? So what comes to your mind when you're asked that? So just for a second, let it come into your mind. What, what comes into your mind? What is love? There's questions people ask. Hmm? There's people have questions. No, no, I can deal with it right now. I like C.S. Lewis's definition of love, which helped me a lot to be more loving. And his says loving the other is wanting the best for the other. Okay. Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, do you, you can ask them to, yeah, why don't you share your thoughts in chat? 
of what loving is. Yeah, because I'm going to share more about, about it right now. Um, so what's involved in love? So I'm gonna, I've listed some things that I think are elements of love or manifestations of love. Love is caring, concern, compassion, um, commitment and, um, to the other, reliability with the other. Um, it's also empathy, forgiveness, generosity, joyous acceptance of the other, awe of the other, mutual recognition of the other, recognition of um, and unselfishly rejoicing in the well-being of, of others. Um, and all of these fit into what I, in my book, um, a Revolutionary Love, call Revolutionary Love. Um, and re revolutionary love requires social courage, that is the courage to stand up for the other and, and, um, and if necessary, struggle to build a society that manifests that. Um, it involves prophetic empathy, that is not just caring about the other, but also um, putting forward a vision of what are the things that make it hard to care for, for others and what, it, what in the economic and political structures undermine our capacity to love for each other. Uh, an intense desire to heal and repair the, uh, the pain and damage done to others. Um, love that does justice and struggles to change the world and save the life support system of the planet is another manifestation of, of love. Keeping hope alive, treating people as ends, not as means. Um, so th these are all elements of love. And I wanna um, read you just another thing that, um, a way of understanding love. But love, all, all of those things are elements of love, but love is also a force that makes possible the world. Love is um, the cosmic power. Okay, so this is now, I've been talking at one level, this is another level, this is the spiritual level. Love is the cosmic power that, um, uh, that uh, circulates throughout the universe and animates the world through desire and the uh, magnetic power of attraction Love unites those things that are separate, separated and causes, uh, causes things to be attracted to each other. In the same way that the moon influences the tides and the sun brings forth the seasons, all parts of the cosmic pa patterns of the universe are bound together in a vital sympathy of love. Um, so to experience the world this way, the physical world, um, as um, not only physical, but has an element of attraction to all being. What we were, uh, what we were uh, taught to think of as to call gravity, but that actually is um, um, a, a force of love that, uh, uh, that brings things to, together. So if you can imagine looking at the world this way, then you could imagine that um, all the things that we think are um, attracted by um, gravity, but what is gravity? It's just a word that replaces the, um, re re replaces any kind of more mystical way of form formulating it. So the more mystical way of formulating it is to say, yeah, it's about um, the attraction between uh, all beings and that that attraction force is the force that um, creates the universe and 
So then we want to understand, well, God, what's God's role? God, uh, God's pouring out love to all beings at all times. And it's that that keeps the world going. So when we said in the prayer, as we just did in the earlier part of, this, um, of our gathering, that you renew every day the events of creation. What we're saying is, is that, um, you know, we all think that the earth is going to continue just because that's how it is. Okay. Well, another way of saying that, um, I remember when I was working um, in, uh, on a kibbutz in Israel, and I was working with the roosters and the, and the, the chickens. Uh, not the most glorious place in, uh, to be in the, uh, the kibbutz. And um, so every, uh, for, for weeks and weeks, we would feed them, we would uh, give them water, we'd try to clean the place. Um, and then one day, um, and so they had this sense of regularity. Okay, they knew what was going on and they were going to be fed, they were going to be clean, they were going to have a clean environment, they were going to get water. And then one day, we put them in a truck and sent them off to market where they were slaughtered, okay? So the fact that it was always one way doesn't guarantee that it'll continue that way, okay? Um, there's, um, there are big changes that are possible. And I got that uh, when I was working in that situation. And um, that's how the, the, the universe is. We think of it as just, well, it's here. Of course it's here. It's always gonna be the way it is, right? But actually, um, no, there's no, there's nothing, um, there's no principle for, no explanation for why that should be the case, except that it is the case. Um, and it turns out that there are forces in the universe that might possibly, I mean, we're doing our best to try to destroy our own planet. Um, I mean, not us individually, but us collectively as the human race. Um, and yes, there may not be any more life uh, on the planet. So love is the, the force that, holds it all together. And you have to, um, only, when you, only when you develop capitalism do you have a social system that is completely based on, um, on um, negating the love energy in the universe and uh, at least on the planet and putting instead the selfishness force and the power over force. So um, uh, the um, love then becomes, in my view, the center of Judaism, the central message of Judaism, the central command of Judaism, but it's again, remember what I mean said by command, it's actually the central center predi um, prediction of Judaism that we can uh, that we can build a world based on love and caring and kindness and generosity, that love is the center of this root. Now, you can understand if somebody came along and said, I want to build another religion, but I want to get some of the good stuff from Judaism. What they did, what Christianity did was to say, um, oh, Judaism is just about a bunch of laws, but love is our thing. We, Jesus taught about love and that, well, yeah, Jesus taught about love because he was quoting the Torah, okay? Um, but they don't say that. They never say Jesus was quoting the Torah, that, that, that the, the love your neighbor is yourself was in the, in the Torah for at least five, 600 years before Jesus was alive, okay? Um, so, um, but they say, no, you, you, the Jews, you just care about justice. We care about love. Well, first of all, love, kind, justice is a, a manifestation of love. 
And, but secondly, love has been, this, has been a central part, and as I say, a central problem, because it's so hard to get ourselves in a world in which people have power over us to care for the other. Um, the, um, and the trauma that has happened when you've been living that way for a very long time, namely as a subordinate, is that it's really hard to get up to love, to love the other. Um, even loving yourself becomes uh, rather, rather hard. And if you study the history of the uh, state of Israel in the first years when it was bringing in um, Svartic Jews from, um, from uh, uh, North Africa and uh, Asia, um, very often the way those people were treated was hor horrific. And it's part of the reason why um, they, the, um, the right-wing parties eventually gained power by getting those people who had been treated that way by the Ashkenazim, that is European-based Jews living there, to say, okay, we hate you European Jews because you hate us, because you treat us terribly. So um, unfortunately, love was not the basis upon which um, the state of Israel was created. And it's certainly not the basis on which it manifests today. This is not to say that there aren't a lot of loving people in Israel on a one-to-one -one basis, but to but the, the if you read this Torah portion, you see that many of the things that it's asking for are not just about how do you as an individual, but about creating collective responsibility for the world and collective responsibility for um, how you treat other people. Okay, so it's. To telling you, don't you know? Uh, don't let the wages of your worker be with you to the till the next day. Give your worker, pay him right away. Pay her right away. Uh, take care of her right away. Um, and um, if I if I wanted to do, I could go through and show you in each part where that is. But I'd rather now open it up for um, discussion. But I'd be very um, appreciative if when you you had a point point to make you pointed to the specific part of the Torah reading and, um, uh, and what it meant to you. Um, so uh, can we open it up for people? Yeah, so if you have a question, just um, you can or, raise your- Or a comment. You know, or a comment, you can, okay. There's a way to raise your hand. I see your hand, Bill, but I won't see everyone's hand. So go ahead, Bill, and then um, if, you, if you raise your hand, then I'll be able to um, unmute you, or then I can call on you. Otherwise, everyone's going to unmute at the same time. So go ahead, Bill. He's Gary. Gary will do it. Okay. okay. I have a question for the rabbi. Uh, as, uh, as, the, as the Jew who became a heretic named Jesus says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, and all thy soul. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He combined the two. Mm -hmm. Is there any place in the Hebrew Bible where that's combined, or is that a a Christian edition? Um, well, the thing is to say where it's combined, the whole, think of this as one document, okay? It's one document that's got um, both the love stuff and also some of the opposite. Wipe out your name, you know, wipe out the people who live in the land, etc. There's so, um, um, Jesus was not a heretic, by the way. There's no, there's nothing who was a heretic was Paul and the interpretations that he gave to who Jesus was. But if there ever was a Jesus, just like I say, if there ever was a Moses, you know, I'm, I don't want to commit to thinking that these are real people, but they might have been, um, is if there ever was a Jesus, um, the Jesus that we know about um, 
was a, a practicing Jew. He was, uh, um, now he was, he was committed to the same thing that, that the, most of the prophets were committed to. Uh, I say he was, he was a Jewish prophet. He was, he was committed to challenging the priestly um, way that they were running the temple and the um, corruption that existed there, just as some of us are committed to challenging the corruption in the state of Israel right now and the you know, and how far it's gone away from Judaism. But there was nothing, um, there's nothing that I see in his teachings that were explicitly um, uh, renouncing Judaism, not at all. He was, he was a practicing Jew. And um, so putting those two things together, now uh, when, we, when we read the New Testament, understand that the New Testament, the, the, the earliest part of it was the gospels, the four gospels. And they were written by people who never met Jesus, who never saw Jesus. Um, they were written someplace between um, 70, well, some people say 80, 70 or, two, or 80 to 100 or 110 of the common era. By people who never met Jesus, had no idea. But, but they had already had, there was uh, a, a group of people who had met Jesus and who carried some of the stories. And those stories were written down in four separate gospels. Why do you need four separate gospels? Imagine if we had four separate Torahs, okay? Because each one had t heard it differently and heard what he was saying differently. But none of them report that Jesus said, don't be a Jew anymore. <laughs> okay, so the, thing, the two things that you're saying put he put together, they're both from the Torah. They're just different places in the Torah. Um, but no, there's no place that I know of where both of them are back to back. But Jesus was a popularizer. He was, he was, he was out there talking to people. You know, it's like um, if I said that, you know, if somebody carried my, uh, recorded my voices and then said, uh, um, what part of the Torah are you coming from? Well, there are a lot of different parts that I'm coming from. So I don't know if that helps any. So there were two other folks, David and Martha. So um, uh, Martha, you wanna, you wanna jump in first and then we'll get to David. One second. To Dave, oh, go okay. ahead, I unmuted you. Okay, yeah, I was sort of responding to a question that David raised in the chat room. So maybe he wants to go first. Okay. No. Where's David? Where's so David, can you unmute yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I, I have a couple of questions and you can kind of like choose what, what you want to answer. Um, like why is that uh, repeated and, 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 and why is it repeated where, where it's repeated uh, again and again? I, I am the Lord your God with, with the Yudhe. Vav hey. And then the other question I have, which maybe like is a little more gripping, is um, uh, profanity, which is repeated. I don't know what the, what the Hebrew is, but like I, I also see this kind of like this, this love side and this purity side of like of both combining into holiness, like Lo loving your neighbor and you shall do things when you're profaned in order to like restore and in order to purify yourself in order to purify the community in order to restore holiness so I, I was wondering if you could speak to the um like the balance of like of purity w which also relates to kind of like the question i asked earlier of like yeah you shall you shall love and you shall not mix, like you shall keep pure. 
um, uh, which yeah, which is how I I'm interpreting the the command to not to not mix. So speak yeah, if you could speak to that balance of like a kind of purity ethic and a love ethic, which is kind of like boundless and um, and doesn't have the same kind of like distinguish distinctions and judgments that the purity ethic does. Mm-hmm. Thank you, David. Yeah. So I just want to say Martha had a beautiful answer to the mixing thing. So should we have her answer that part? That's yeah. what she was raising her hand okay. about. Okay, go ahead, Martha. Hang on. To okay. what? That, yeah, you're, you're unmuted. I got you. <laughs> to what David just raised, the juxtaposition of loving the stranger and then this whole thing about not mixing things, specifically not mixing wool and flax, especially in garments. And um, I love this because to me, yes, there are two voices, at least in the Torah, the dominating rules, authoritarian, and the transformative. But I think sometimes, often, even in the middle of the dominating voice, there is the seed of the transformative. And I find that in this passage, because when I had my bat mitzvah, I had uh, tetzavah, which was about the weaving of the priestly garments. And in that priestly garment, wool and flax are mixed. And why are they mixed? Why is it okay there and nowhere else? Because we're in the presence of holiness. So this to me relates to what is holy. When we are in the presence of holiness, that that, um, conflict between flax and wool, which some people think goes back to the conflict between Cain and Abel. Cain being flax and Abel being wool, or the, the meat, and that Cain killed Abel, and therefore flax and wool should never come into contact with each other, until a time when we can be holy, in which case that wound between Cain and Abel, and every one of us and the other can be healed. And that's why in the priest's garments, flax and wool can be combined. So I think, in fact, when we, you know, dig, dig, dig deep, there's not such a contradiction between those two passages. I find that they are in a very Torah way, you know, which obscures time and space. They relate very well together. Mm. Very nice. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, some people argue that um, there are parts of the Torah which uh, received God, uh, uh, godly inspiration and understood that, um, uh, that it was going to be destructive to the earth to put two different kinds of things together um, in, um, in one, into one being, that there was, um, that the, um, uh, that the way that um, there has been this um, uh, scientific uh, development of animals and of um, and of food um, has actually caused uh, 
um, a decrease in the amount of food rather than an increase in the amount of food or food that is actually ends up being destructive to people's body rather than helpful to people's body. So there are some, some environmentalists who say, let's get back to the original animals or the original um, vegetables um, because mixing these things is not really healthy. But I'm not buying that. <laughs> I'm just saying that's one, one theory there. Uh, I like the way that you put it, um, Martha. It was very, very, um, very interesting and good. This, the by the way, the, this thing about shot—it's it, called shotnets in Hebrew, um, and it's often used by people um, to say uh, this is one example of a commandment that nobody bothers <laughs> to pay attention to any anymore. So forget it. It's like. Um, uh, the people aren't are just not buying it anymore. So there's almost nobody who pays attention to it. Although there are some ultra orthodox Jews who, who still do. Um, on the first point, um, let's see what the first point was. What the David raised was. Um, David, say it again really quickly. We've lost. Ani Adonai Elohechem. Okay, I'll Thank you. stop there for a second. <laughs> so there. Um, yud heh vav is the transformative power of the universe. And so um, God is saying, if you get that the world can be healed and transformed, then um, I'm, I am the author of this. Um, uh, I, and so the reason why they, uh, that's there uh, repeatedly is because some, some author who's writing down this, this work is saying, this one is going to be, well, I just said it's going to be hard for people. I better put this down. I better give this God's authority right there. Okay, just like in um, in two weeks from now when we studied Bihar, uh, the in, uh, the um, uh, the economic program that God puts forward. Um, it's that parsha is called Bihar on the mountain. Why on the mountain? Give it authority. This has happened right at Sinai that we got we got this information from. So. Um, so I think that that's its reason for its appearing is that something that's just been said, um, uh, a writer or um, who puts together that part of the of the text was saying, people will never go for this. I better give give it the authority of that. Now there's an, now let me give a, a another in, interpretation. Um, when you say ani yudhe I am the transformative power uh, in truth. Um, what um, um, what some Jewish mystics say is that what's really being said here is that the I, the um, the capacity to have a present, a, um, a a sense of oneself as um, present, um, is the thing about human beings that separates us from from all the other animals. We don't know any of the other animals. That at least we have no. Uh, we have no belief that any of the other animals can, they have consciousness, but they may not have, or at least this is the theory of the mystics, um, that they do not have the ability to see themselves as an I, as a, um, as a being that can self-consciously reflect on itself as a being. And that that is um, the contribution of the transformative power of the universe. So, means that your um, first person consciousness of yourself is, the, um, is your connection to the God of the universe. And that 
that this is what makes human beings created in God's image on, one, on their theory, is that, that we share with God this sense of, um, of uh, personal identity um, and that we share it with God means that it's not just ours, it's also on loan from God, that we have that. And when we die, we lose that, um, uh, that consciousness, that particular kind of consciousness. So ani, the, the I-ness of me, the, um, is what connects us to the God of the universe. So these are two different explanations of that. What's the next part of your question? Okay, there's one other question. David, do you have more? Do you want to follow up on the last question? Or there was something, David, that you also raised that I've forgotten to answer yet. Uh, yeah, like purity and, and love, like profanity and connection, which yeah. has started to be addressed. But. Yeah, so the, the, um, the profan profanity and, pure, um, and purity thing is something that the, the priests um, uh, had, the priestly class had taken that on as being its main thing. And it became, um, uh, like many other relig religions, it became an obsession with Jews starting uh, after the conquest of the Romans in particular. When the, um, and uh, so um, that's when, um, for example, uh, the Christians started, uh, well, the, the Jews who, were, who, be, who may have become Christians eventually um, became so fixated on baptism uh, because baptism was really going into the mikvah and becoming purified. Now, the, but this whole area was one that the priests had developed. And so we're in the middle of the priestly book. Vayikra is almost entirely about these various... Um, uh, purification rites that the that the um, priests have developed, and um, and so whoever put um, this uh, this reading into the middle of a book that is otherwise filled with one detail after another, right? You purify from people who are getting impure. I think was a rather revolutionary step to say, okay, you're doing all this, you're doing all these things to get purified, but look the real purification comes from the way you treat other people and the way you create a society together. So um, we're gonna, you may have forgotten that, that's why we're sticking this whole um, kiddoshim in the middle of your, in the middle of all the other obsessive things about how you're gonna be pure or impure. Um, so what do I say about that? Well, um, I'm not against the mikvah. It can be a very beautiful ceremony today. Uh, for many people who go to a mikvah before they're getting married, and uh, there are um, people who use the mikvah as a spiritual um, source of um, re uh, reconnecting with their body and reconnecting with God. Um, but it is um, all this purity stuff is um, something that doesn't ring true to me as some you know as something that we would need to hold on to very tightly. Um, but there, there are beautiful elements in it that can be part of a um, Jewish practice. So what I'm saying is, um, what's it doing here? It's the, the purity stuff is here to reinforce the power of a priestly class. Now, eventually what happened in Judaism was once the, t the temple was gone, purification was no longer possible. 
Now, right now, we have a bunch of fanatics wanting to rebuild the temple. And, um, but they can't do that until they find a red heifer, because it says in, the, in the, another ch uh, chapter, that we'll, another Parsha that we'll read next uh, in a few months, it says that you need, in order to get purified, you have to have the, 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 um, uh, a red heifer that is then sacrificed and so forth. And they haven't been able to find a red heifer anyplace. So, so who knows if they had it ever in the ancient world, but it doesn't seem to be existent in the Middle East right now. There are some people who in the, who in, uh, the Western part of the United States are claiming that they're raising red heifers, but no rabbi has yet, yet to come and say, yes, this is a real red heifer that you can use like, like that. So here are this, this group of fanatics who on, on Sukkot and on other holidays, go up onto the Temple Mount, violating an, um, commands of, of, uh, um, of the Talmud, that you shouldn't go up on the Temple Mount, that you shouldn't, um, unless you're purified already, and you can't be purified without having, having had the red heifer thing. Um, all right, so what do I say about the purification? You know, um, it, it's, a good, it's a good practice when you're living in a, um, uh, in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Get, take off your clothes, wash yourself, get into a, a mikvah or get into a, um, uh, into a home-based, uh, what, what, um, whatever. Yeah, it's a good thing. Um, we want to help you to all be healthy. But um, does it bring you close to God? Well, it does for some people and that's not for others. That's the best I can say. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, Ari, you can get your question in before we end. Where's our well, it's, it's more or less been answered already by uh, Rabbi Lerner um, when he addressed the issue of uh, the transformative uh, parts and their relationship to the question of uh, purity and impurity. So the parts that are more trying to set norms and to set uh, an imbalance in power relations for the, in favor of the priestly class, et cetera. Uh, I'm very troubled, of course, as I think many of us are, by the sent sentence 20 and the how it sort of condones rape. Uh, well, not sort of, does condone rape uh, of women by men. And uh, where, where of course, sentence 20? again, when we frame the pieces that we love in here as transformative, um, it's, uh, it's helpful because I, I'm wondering how uh, a relationship between what is transformative and what is not continuously has to be, uh, what is not transformative continuously has to be brought into relation to what is transformative. And that I think is the significant dynamic, I think, if you're, if you're an activist. In our little group, we talked about uh, what is holy and part of us, and we talked about love uh, and we talked about, which connects to what uh, Rabbi Lerner said was the revolutionary section of what we've read so far. Uh, which is, you know, love the stranger. And I'm, I'm just wondering how we, again, can continuously frame uh, 
these really, some of these are very ugly uh, kind of uh, normative positionings of power over women of, you know, and so on and so forth. Uh, to transform people who believe in these other parts. I mean, we live in a world where there are people who walk around and quote the non-transformative parts as uh, the power of the Torah. And I certainly, how do you engage that? You know, <clears throat> the I mean, I think the first thing to say is we don't buy that part, <laughs> okay? In other words, <clears throat> um, we're now adults, okay? We've, ha we've lived on the planet for a while. We're in a position to make decisions about what in the Jewish tradition is exciting to us and what isn't and what is screwed up. And we know that this sexism uh, and um, uh, sexism in the, in the tradition has been there for a long time and it was there a long time before the Jewish tradition ever existed. So, I mean, they're living in a sexist society. They're living in a society in which there are slaves, for God's sakes. They're living, it's a so you have a screwed up reality. Now, I am, can imagine that somebody listening to this tape, uh, you know, the tape of this a thousand years from now is gonna say, how come they weren't mentioning that they're out there destroying the earth at this very moment? And these people are thinking that they're living a holy life if they uh, love the stranger and love the other. But meanwhile, why didn't it say love the other and love the earth? Why isn't that there? Because without that, um, they, they have, they're proceeding to destroy the planet that they, they live on. And I could say to them, amen, you're right. You're entirely right. Okay, there was too much. Uh, we were too obsessed in our own particular reality. Okay, and I, you know, like, um, I've been part of the left for a long time. It's really good at calling out everybody for not, be not enoughness, okay? So I agree with you. Of course, we don't, we, we reject those parts. But let me say another example of, yeah, I'm part of, I've been part of the left for the last, uh, whatever, started in 1964. So figure it out, I'm 77 now, let's see. 55, uh, 55 years at least, okay? Um, they, the left that I still identify with as the, the liberal and progressive forces in the country, they go around all the time saying, oh, well, the vast majority of Americans are racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, uh, Islamophobic, or, and that's why they vote the way they do, without any understanding of the humanity of people who have, um, who have moved to the right for reasons that aren't about racism, sexism, homophobia, anti-Semitism, et cetera, but for reasons of being demeaned by us because we're always putting them down as being in nothing. And um, I mean, it's a more complicated story than what I'm just giving read my book, Revolutionary Love, and you'll see the more complicated story about the psychological factors that lead people to feel drawn to, um, to right-wing politics, even though they're not racist or sexist or homophobic or anti-Semitic. So, um, so what, what can I say? I can say, yeah, I'm part of that. And I don't agree with parts of what, the way people in the liberal and progressive world talk about other people, the, the, the elitism, the, the uh, the sense that we're better than everybody, uh, the put down of uh, other people and making them feel bad about themselves. I don't, I don't agree with that part. I'm still part of that community in some way. And I'm even more proud to be part of the Jewish community because it's got a lot more, because at least it has a spiritual dimension to it and not just a polit 
political economic dimension to it that the left has. So I don't know if that helps any, but this is, uh, um, what I'm saying is there, there are huge imperfections that have uh, developed in Judaism. And what do we do with them? We say, oh, they're holy. No, baloney, they're, they're screwed up and we don't want to have anything to do with them, okay? That, there's screwed up things in our Torah that we say, I'm glad I'm not living in a, in a community that's taking that part seriously. Now, yes, you're right. There are people who go around and can quote that. But again, I mean, that's no different than any other social reality, okay? Every, every social movement that has ever existed, every belief system has adherence to it who have beliefs that are screwed up. Um, um, why is that? Because um, there's nobody on the planet who isn't somewhat screwed up. <laughs> somebody, none of us are, um, are the embodiments fully of the love ethos of the Torah. None of us are fully embodied it. And so in our lives, in our personal lives, or in our collective communal lives, we are flawed beings. And how do you deal with flawed beings? Compassion, generosity, caring, healing. Um, and, um, but does that mean we have to accept, you know, when you say, well, there are people who are quoting these things. What we come back and say is, no, that wasn't really God speaking. That wasn't the God that I believe in speaking. Um, that, was, uh, that was the human mishearing of God. Uh, can people mishear God? Yeah, really easily. <laughs> okay, so um, I don't, does that help any? Uh, I think it does, yeah, because again, you put it in relation to the more transformative thinking. Um, and you're, I haven't read your book, Revolutionary Love, you cited, but I do have it on my Kindle. So it, it's, it's in line. <laughs> Please read it. Please read it. All right. I hope you'll read it. Uh, we I think talked about Martin Buber in our little breakout group and I and how, and how our identities are relational uh, fundamentally. So right. I contextualize a lot of these questions in terms of a so situated social context. So if we look at the way people interact with one another, you're looking at, again, things that people will co-construct and soft assemble in their conversations that uh, would have elements of what Buber would say, uh, I would argue he might say, <laughs> are uh, you know, experiential, uh, analytical, synthetic, ap applies to the world, uh, like the way you talk about the Torah and applications to the socio-political reality in the United States. And then those more transformative side of our relationship, I would argue, is the uh, encounter that Buber talks about in Ich Vadu. So that's also powerful. And I still have hope, critical hope, I guess, <laughs> which I think you talked about too, uh, for those lost souls, <laughs> both in the left and on the right uh, who uh, engage. I live in Texas, I don't live in San Francisco. So I have a lot more engagements of the other kind. And it's, uh, mm -hmm. I, you've given me more uh, food, I think, to work with. So thank you. Wonderful. So um, there's one more, you time for one more? Yeah, come, Jacqueline's come, back ne come back next week, but, I mean, two, two weeks from now, when we deal with the, um, uh, another revolutionary part of the, the message, the economic message that uh, 
is hinted at here, um, but is more fully laid out in. Bell so can we see pre pre Karl Marx there? I hope. <laughs> Uh, better than Marx. Okay, good. <laughs> better than Marx, and I. Uh, so Jacqueline Jackson. I did my one of my first PhD thesis was on on Marx, and uh, anyway, Jacqueline. Hi. Yeah, it's one thing to, you know, with with great anguish, point to the minority of people in the U.S. who we think got it all wrong. What about the majority? How do you? How do you deal with the majority, the vast majority in Israel, who've got it all wrong? Um, You're look, traumatized souls. Exactly. That, that's how I deal with them. I mean, uh, what, what, what would you say to people who, I mean, what, what, what does the left or liberals in this country say to African Americans who, um, who have support, who ended up supporting um, Trump, there's some, uh, some percentage of them. What do we say to um, the one African-American on the Supreme Court who is the most reactionary member of the Supreme Court? Um, we say, okay, a lot of trauma, a lot of trauma screws up, your, screws up your perceptions and makes it hard. The Jewish people, you know, this, this is a group of people, and you know, people say, when, when, they, when they talk about, when right-wingers come forward and say, you know, um, a lot of the crime in the, in the ghetto is black on black. Black people beating up other people, black people robbing from other, other people, this, you know, other, other black people. There's a lot of the crime that goes on is, and, uh, and that's why there's a section of the black community that welcomes the police there because they want to be protected from the, from the people who are doing, doing that. And then others, racists, use that and say, see, they're just, you know, that look how screwed up they are and you want to be champions of them and their rights. My answer, I think our collective answer is, yeah, because these people are just barely getting out of the trauma that's been imposed on them by uh, hundreds of years of slavery and then, um, then continuing discrimination and oppression of them. And yeah, so people sometimes act in screwed up ways. The Jewish people, boy, we had 2,000 years of this, um, or at least, at least 1,800 years of, of that kind of uh, unbelievable oppression culminating in genocide against one out of every three human, uh, three Jews alive in, 20, in 19, uh, 1940 were, were murdered by, by 1945. And the people who created the state of Israel were people who um, were bringing in a lot of the people who had been in that trauma, but a lot of the people who were not in the trauma had their families in that trauma. Okay, traumatized people, they should get over it. Yeah, I'd like that. <laughs> I would love to have, be able to say that about everybody who has a trauma. It would put, put us therapists out of business, but nevertheless, it would be a good thing. <laughs> so, um, but actually, it turns out that it doesn't happen that way. Mm -hmm. that you, that you, what? Pardon me. No, Jack, okay, Jack, it, it, it doesn't happen that way. You can't get out of trauma just by saying, get over it. Hey, hey. so we're, there's never been a movement of, I mean, I had been calling for at least uh, as long as Tikkun has uh, been involved, for a movement of Jews who feel that they're not traumatized to go to Israel and to try to involve themselves in healing the people there of their trauma. But actually, that's not who comes. It's only more new, new traumatized people who, who, who go there, the vast majority of them. I mean, first it was the people um, 
from the Holocaust. Then it was the people from North Africa and, and Asia uh, living under Muslim rule that was often um, uh, traumatizing to, to Jews. And then and now we, then we get this new uh, aliyah of people from Stalinist Russia. Hey, there's a lot of, a lot of people um, are still overcoming that. So does that mean I uh, approve of what they do? No, of course not. But, um, but I, have, I have compassion for them. Go ahead, Jackie. Yeah, I was just wondering how you would engage in a transformative way with people in Israel, and especially younger people, you know, the next generation. I know trauma, you know, affects generations, but, but still, um, there must be a way. Or is there a way? Maybe there isn't. Maybe we just give up on it. You know, annexation is around the corner, and we say, well, they're all traumatized. So screw the Palestinians. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. God forbid. If anything, I'm going to say this is another awful state. It's not a Jewish state. It's a state with a lot of Jews in it. And I think that, that my position is don't call Israel a Jewish state. It has nothing to do with Judaism. It's actually the, the way it treats its people is uh, uh, the Palestinians is the exact uh, opposite of what um, Judaism is about. It is none of these commandments of love the stranger are operating there. So it's a state with a lot of Jews in it, but it's not a Jewish state. Um, in, in response to the question about how might you engage with them, I did put in the chat to read his book, Embracing Israel-Palestine, in which he talks about it at greater length. But I'd also say that there are ways in which we can empathically, what I like to call prophetic empathy, engage with people to bring them, bring us all back to the essence of who we are, which is untraumatized souls who are trying to live in a world that um, creates and recreates trauma and, and engage in um, ways of helping people see and understand through compassion how their traumas are informing their behavior rather than how how we can actually be with one another in the world in a loving way. And let me add that Kat is teaching, um, uh, does a training for people on what she calls prophetic empathy. And that prophetic empathy is one which both helps people um, feel validated, but at the same time um, teaches them about the aspects of our economic and political realities that make it hard for people to feel good about themselves. And, um, and or about others. And so um, if you haven't taken it, it's on, it's, it's a, a um, Zoom, uh, it's on Zoom, so you can take it any place in the world. And it's, um, uh, you can go to spiritualprogressives.org slash training, am I right? Correct, and the next one starts in June, June 1st. June 1st starts again, yeah, she just finished it this training and the trainings are great and the people who come out of it feel very much like they have skills now to speak to people who are very, very, very different from us in, in their orientation towards the world and still can make an impact. Uh, Martha wanted to also mention to folks that our next issue of Tikkun, uh, Re-Envisioning Socialism, which Martha um, was a major, major 
player in creating and getting all the authors for and writing an article and, and Rabbi Learner's written an article is coming out shortly. And so you can, we'll, we'll send information about that if you want to read that issue. But it talks, it also addresses some of what we've been speaking with about today. Um, so, um, it's, yeah. I, is there anybody who has another thing they want to say? Otherwise, we're going to do the ending of the Torah. We're going to just end the Torah service um, by going back to a few little prayers. This will take about five minutes and we'll be out of it. Out of it. But um, in case you're going to go away before that, I just want to say many blessings to all of you for having been part of this. So we'll start on page. Um, um, it looked like uh, it looked like one person. David, um, did that was that a yup? You have one more thing to say? You asked if there was anyone else. Okay, we're not hearing it. Wait, let me just see. Let me find her. Um, Susie. Okay. Okay. So um, David, you can. Oh, okay, great. Page sixty-nine. Okay, hold on. Let me pull it up. In the, in the prayer book, in this very short little part at the end. One second. I gotta. I gotta get it up. Sorry. There we go. Okay. okay, that's it. The, sec the second, yeah, right here. yeah, the bottom part of that, that after reading the Torah portion. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech olam asher natan lanu Torah emet v'chayei olam nata b'tochenu Baruch atah Adonai noten ha-Torah And so, so um, we also want to say a prayer of healing for anybody who is in need of healing. Um, so keep, it, keep in mind that person, and when we get to a place, to call out their names. Uh, may the force that blessed Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah send a blessing of healing to people that we in our community or in our world who need this. We ask, first of all, for healing for all the people who are, have been diagnosed as having the, um, uh, the, um, what's the, the coronavirus. Name? The coronavirus. Um, and also for all the people who have been um, hurt in. Um, economically or um, politically by the um, shutdown of the economy and the loss of jobs. We want them to have uh, healing too and the healing of our society so that people can be, um, get to the point where instead of thinking of uh, themselves as um, taking a handout, that they recognize that there's a collective responsibility to take care of each other and uh, may the healing reach, reach them so that everyone feels okay about building a society in which people actually care about each other. And if that includes economically caring about each other to make sure that everybody has um, at least enough to live on. Um, and we also um, ask for healing for the people that we personally know. So it's time to call out. You can post their names in chat so we can, we can all hold them in our hearts collectively. If there's anybody who is in need of healing. Like, for example, 
there's names being posted. Uh, Terry Solomon, T Terry Uitalo, Elhanan Ben Malka, Dolores Wiseman, Zev Ben Hena, Chaim Nabish Ben Shana Simcha, uh, Walt Uitalo, I think, Linda Smetana. Oh, they're going by, they're saying, read them. Dali Schaffer, uh, Bruce Marshall, Alan Feldman, William Cavendish, Bev Pinchus, uh, Andy Wanning, Cantor Richard Kaplan, Justice Ruth Ginsburg, Edwin Cope, David Reynolds, uh, Michael Lerner. Yeah. All um, people, yeah, lots of people that I know. Bacha Cohen. Um, uh, Abbas with uh, Aliza. Aliza, uh, Jane Kaplan. Jane Kaplan. May the sense of them a healing of body and a healing of soul, and let them all come back to us in their respective communities, fully healed and uh, able to participate in, in their community again. Uh, and let us say Amen. Amen. Um, and now turn to um, uh, the in the prayer book to um, the going forward to um, uh, yeah. But just let's read on the top of it. Remember who we really are. Um, we are the outpouring of God's love, waiting to be fully expressed. We are the platform on which the evolution of consciousness of the universe is about to take its next step toward fuller awareness. May it be quickly. We are the universe's best hope for bringing an awareness of unity and interconnectedness and interdependence. We are the vehicle through which the world will be healed and repaired. For a brief moment, each of us comes into consciousness and we get to experience the mystery and wonder of all being. And then we will pass on. But while we are here, while we still have life and consciousness, we can praise God and sing the song of all creatures. Hallelujah. May God be praised. And a little further down on the page. Ki natati lachem. Torati Alta Zavu Etzhaim He Lamachazikim Ba Vetamcheha Meushar Derachcheha Ay, 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 ay,
and distortion of pride and destruction that all these gods broken pieces of the whole will find their way back into the single vessel of life that the one might become truly one we pray for a tikkun olam a universal healing and transformation of our world peace social justice ecological sanity Reconciliation of antagonists. Repentance and forgiveness. Joyful celebration. Gentleness. Pleasure and fun. Fulfilling relationships. Fulfillment in our work. Meaning to our lives. Evolution of consciousness. Expansion of our understanding. And recognizing the unity of all being. Love, Love permeating all. all. May we, we hold to this vision, which seems so incomprehensible, despite history, in the face of despair, that someday the source of all being will be the center of all being forever and ever. On that day, the source will be known as one by all the faces of its glory. And the Kiddush that we'll just do very briefly. Um, Et Shabbat Lassot Et Shabbat Ledorotam Berit Olam Veshamru Bnei Yisrael Et Shabbat Lassot Et Shabbat Ledorotam Berit Olam 
They knew him in Israel. Oti le'olam, oti le'olam, oti le'olam, v'shamru b'nei Yisrael et ha-shabbat, l'asot et ha-shabbat, dorotam berit olam, ishe-she-yamim, Asa Adonai et ha-shamayim ve'et ha-aretz ve'shamru v'nei Yisrael et ha-shabat l'asot et ha-shabat l'edorotan berit olam u'bayom ha-shvi Shabbat v'yinavash Shabbat v'yinavash Shabbat Vayina pa'ash v'shamru v'nei Yisrael et ha-shabat l'asot et ha-shabat v'toratam berit olam. You remember the seventh day to keep it holy? On six days you should do all your work and labor. On the seventh day? Give the Shabbos to God. I, you should do? No work. Neither you. Or anyone in your home. Or anybody who's working for you. Not even your animals. Not even for your animals. Six days. God made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is within it. This is the day she rested. Therefore, God bless the seventh day holy. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu melech olam, Orei peri ha-gafen. Dechayim. Shabbat shalom. Good Shabbat. Shabbat shalom. Good Shabbat. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Good Shabbat. Shabbat 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 Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Good Shabbat Shabbat Shalom, Good Shabbat 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 Shalom. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Feel free to unmute if you want to say anything. It might get kind of obnoxious, but go for it. Or write write in the chat. Thank you all for being here. And hope to see you two weeks from now. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michael. What's the name of the book you're reading from? Um, which the the prayer book? Yeah, that that's it. You're just the Jewish prayer book. It's oh, the book that you were reading from in the middle. I would love that. It wasn't um, reading. The, the yeah, people want to know if, you'll, if we can share what you read. So the prayer book. Uh, I'm going to post the link to again. The prayer book is our prayer book and um, Beit Tikkun's prayer book, and we put it up online. So I just shared the link. Can you grab it? Yeah. Can you see this? Right. Yeah, they can see that. I think he's grabbing it. Yeah, it looks like you're grabbing it, right? Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for the whole day. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for Thanks, and come, come again, please. See you in two weeks. And uh, in the meantime, uh, a blessing to be safe and um, not contract any of, the, uh, any of this terrible virus going around. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yes, blessings. and may you stay safe and healthy as well. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks. Many blessings, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <sighs>